0: There he is, there he is.
1: Good evening and welcome to Hear There Be Monsters podcast. I am your captain, Derek Hayes. I've been teasing this show for quite a long time now. I was waiting as long as possible in hopes that a few more encounters would trickle in, but I think it's time we went forward with it. I'm excited to discuss, so let's get going. Our top story tonight, men in black trench coats jumping out, cars driving at night. Thanks for joining us, I'm Gary Metiglie. And I'm Paula Sands. Police in Muscatine are trying to get to the bottom of this. These reports about this mysterious
2: several men in black out on the roads at night, sometimes stepping right out in front of cars as they pass by.
1: As KWQC's Emma Hogue reports, police say while there is no crime here, it is obviously very dangerous. Misty Phillips has lived in Muscatine for a while. My whole life, 42 years. But hasn't heard of anything like this before. I'm hoping that uh, it's just some some kids pulling pranks, and I hope they stop because they're gonna get her. She's referring to the recent sightings of men in black that witnesses say happened just down the road from her family business. I work in my office, and and uh, you know, being a, a woman by myself, you know, I know that they're not uh, coming out in the daylight, but still according to witnesses men dressed in black trench coats and capes have been standing beside roadways and parks at night even jumping out at drivers
3: the reports I've heard I, I don't know if they're aggressive they're, or if they're violent of any sort of like that but it does. It caused a lot of concern. It's
0: scary.
1: I don't drive at night, so that helps. The Muscatine County Sheriff's Office issued a statement warning area residents, but tells us the men have yet to commit an actual crime. There's
3: been no type of criminal activity that's been reported in connection with these sightings. So we're kind of thinking that possibly it's some
0: juveniles that are involved in this activity.
3: The Sheriff's
1: Department urges anyone who sees the men in black to call 911 immediately. Reporting from Muscatine, Emma Hill, KWQC-TV6 News. The Muscatine County Sheriff's Office also says they have officers patrolling the areas where these men have already been spotted. No, tonight's show is not about the men in black. Instead, I'm going to focus on the phenomenon I've coined, mirrored men. Back in Episode 3, I featured a caller that described an encounter he had with three cloaked figures standing outside his bedroom window. The figures all seemed to move in unison, each mirroring the movement of the one in front of them. In addition to this strange detail, the witness described missing time associated with the sighting. Which leads us to the news story I just featured. That piece originates from Muscatine, Iowa. The clip was broadcasted back in June of this year and touches on a few elements that are somewhat familiar to what has been described in these mirrored men encounters. But that's not why I offered this clip up. It seems that these men in black, as they call them, were simply tricksters. A prank spread over Facebook and Twitter. So it's quite possible that the witnesses in the stories you're about to hear were merely victims of jokes or pranks. So keep all this in mind as you listen to each story. Our first call also comes from the state of Iowa. Let's give it a listen. Uh, hey, Derek.
3: Um, I've been listening to your podcast, Out of Order, and I happened to cross one that flooded me with anxiety and recollection. When I was about 14 years old back in 98, I saw three hunched figures, which terrified me there was something alien about their movement and about how little definition their forms had. It was late winter with iced over snow on the ground, everything extremely well lit with a nearly full moon and reflective white snow covering everything. It was after midnight around mm, 1.30 or 2 a.m., and I felt wrong, off somehow. I looked out the window and saw three dark silhouettes walking single file over the snow slowly, almost lazily moving through the night. I watched them trying to figure out who or what would be moving so strangely in the dead of night in freezing cold weather miles from civilization. I lived 30 miles from the nearest small town, 50 miles away from the nearest thing you could call a city. Middle of nowhere, Iowa. It looked like the shadows of hunchbacked old crones, but maybe they were holding themselves that way against the colt. It took me a while to realize all three of them were perfectly mirroring their movements. A the single file line sort of made sense. If you're walking in the snow with others, it saves effort to walk through their weight, you know, trodden in their footprints. but. The, the synchronicity was uncanny, and once I noticed it, it was disturbing. It just felt wrong, and I became scared and just about the moment I was starting to feel real unease and fear, they stopped and they turned their heads to point in my general direction like they heard something or caught a scent. Not ashamed to admit I squealed from my they had to come quick. These things weren't headed for my house, but they weren't far from it either. They seemed to be cutting across my backyard. Again, let me stress how odd it was to see somebody, anybody at all near my house. Uh, It was very, very isolated. I would have probably shouted for my father sooner had I not been taken with curiosity at the slow movements, the oddness of these things. I shouted again. Uh, desperate now and very afraid. My father showed up at my door, but the odd thing was he looked like he'd just woken up. But he was in the middle of a movie, the last thing I knew. I had somehow, somewhere, lost about three or four hours. It was 5 a.m., and he'd been asleep while apparently I was staring blankly out the window for hours. My bed was still made. I hadn't been asleep yet and forgotten about it. I begged my dad to come outside with me and look for tracks, telling him of the weird people I'd seen in the yard, and eventually, reluctantly, he agreed. Uh, we got dressed from out for outside and uh, went out onto the porch. Uh, and Then my dad asked me if I'd been outside any time recently, and I said no. And then I noticed the snow on the porch and my snowy boots beside the door to the outside. I swore to him I hadn't been outside, I wasn't big on the outdoors, and would rather stay inside with my PlayStation on snowy days off rather than go out and face the elements. I put my boots on and rolled up inside were my cold wet socks. I would never leave my boots that way, but, you know, there they were. We went outside, but the only tracks in the backyard were from my own boots, And it looked as if I had walked up to where I had seen the silhouettes, judging from their tracks, uh, paced back and forth a bit, then returned back inside. I don't think my father ever really believed me about the missing time, writing it off as sleepwalking, but I've never done that before or since. Listening to The Last Caller on your third episode, just sounded too similar to my own experience with the synchronized shadows and time loss. If you put my story on, I would like to suggest that if your listeners ever see three dark shapes moving in an eerily perfect sync, that they don't stare too long. Because somehow, somehow they notice. Uh If you have any more questions or anything like that, just feel free to get in touch. Thank you.
1: Thank you, caller, for submitting. As he mentions, it was snowy and cold the day of his encounter, so my guess is most sane people would not trudge back and forth through the snow for a simple prank. In addition, a prank would not explain the snowy boots. So keep all this in mind as we move on to the next call. Let's hear from Kent.
0: Uh, so when I was a young man, my father used to tell me, Kent, if you ever see three men moving in a funny sort of way all the same, look away and walk away calm as you can like you didn't see anything out of the ordinary i'd ask him why and he'd always say just you listen no need to know more the thing is he would tell me and my sister there's a lot at least twice a year from as far back as i can remember when i was in my teen years i'd ask him about it a lot usually after he'd uh, just reminded me once more to look away and walk away calm as can be and he'd always tell me it was important that I remembered what he told me but that if I knew too much that it'd be bad uh, we were on a family road trip one year my father my younger sister and I and my sister had to use the restroom we pulled over to some gas station in the middle of nowhere either in Missouri or Iowa we were around that area I stayed in the car My father went inside to get the bathroom key for my sister and my sister was doing the I have to pee dance near the locked bathroom door outside of the gas station. So uh, my dad got the key and was walking it out to my sister. I could see them both from the car, but they couldn't see each other as the bathroom was around a corner of the building. My sister, she stopped doing her dance, froze solid, then pivoted on her heel and started walking away to the car, uh, you know, heading back toward me. My dad raised a hand to her when he saw her come around the corner. sweet sweetie, I have the key here, he called out. She shook her head and said something I couldn't hear. My dad pivoted as well. Both of them headed straight for the car, walking oddly, like they were uh, having guns to their backs, you know, like all forced or under duress. As they neared the car, I could hear my sister saying, "Oh." over look away and walk away calm as you can look away and walk away calm as you can look away and walk away uh, her and my father piled into the car he still had the bathroom key attached to a big piece of two by four uh, you know to keep people from accidentally wandering off with it but he sped out of that parking lot anyway as fast as he could my sister just kept blubbering that they moved so strange daddy all the same like you said and he just shushed her and said, don't talk about them. Don't think about them, don't think about them at all. Think about anything else. You did good by walking away calmly, but now is the hard part. You can't think of them or talk of them or it calls them back.
3: <laughs>
0: so we rode in silence for a few miles before my sister said that she really had to go, uh, but she wanted us to come with her and turn our backs. So we did. the three of us pulled over my sister went and squatted behind a bush while my father and i stood guard none of us talked about the men for the rest of the trip and we never let each other out of sight sticking very close together for the rest of that entire road trip i've i've never seen personally what you call uh the mirror men but my father knew of them and he warned my sister and me of them since we were very tiny And I believe my sister saw them that day. Uh, My my father is dead now, and my sister and I lost touch years ago. But maybe sharing this story will help one of your listeners with my father's old advice. Uh, If you see them, look away and walk away. Calm as you can. Uh, I love the show. Thanks, Derek.
1: Thank you, Kent. It sounds like your father had some sound advice. Now, it's obvious to me that your father and sister saw something that startled them. What that thing is, we may never know. Thank you again for calling in and sharing your experience. Let's move on to our next call, which is from the state of Missouri.
2: Uh, Hey there. Um, This is in regards to the three men who move as one. All three times I've seen the men, I was in Thousand Hills State Park in Kirksville, Missouri. Uh, The first time I noticed them, I was on a bench reading a book, and they appeared off to my left, moving toward me, walking parallel to a tree line in front of the bench. I thought they were dancers doing some sort of weird routine or at least practicing for one. Their movements were so odd and so in sync and they were moving so slowly and with an odd gait. It sounds silly but they almost looked like a slow motion conga line. (laughs) I'm somewhat shy so I didn't raise my head to look at them. I watched them a little bit through my peripheral vision and I had an extremely uneasy feeling while doing so. Uh, they were wearing matching outfits, black shoes, black pants, brown overcoats, which was quite odd for the summer, adding to my suspicions they were some sort of acting costume. I didn't see their faces that day. Uh, they made a course change which seemed to take forever and then disappeared into the trees they'd been skirting next day I was several miles away from that area, walking the Thousand Hills Trail at around 4 p.m., just enjoying the fresh air. Uh, when something caught my eye off the trail, some movement in the distance I couldn't quite make out through the tree. I decided to go exploring and find out what it was, moving off trail aways, um, and I saw three shapes, all moving in unison, just cresting a small hill, This time their outfits were different. Uh, Some light brown pants and black turtlenecks this time. Again, a weird thing to wear in the summer. I shouted a greeting this time since I had just been uh, noisily stomping off uh, the trail. Uh, I felt obligated to say something. At first I thought they didn't hear me. They hadn't responded yet. And then I realized they were still turning around. They hadn't been facing me, and they were turning excruciatingly slowly. Their mouths appeared way before they should have, as their heads turned. It looked like their lips were stretched out too wide, but it reminded me of a frog's mouth. Their eyes looked extremely intense. Uh, I wouldn't know if I would call it anger, but they certainly looked like wild eyes. Those eyes were the last thing I remembered before I I was uh, completely soaked. Uh, I came to standing in the rain. Uh, It had been raining for at least a half hour, judging by how wet everything was and how muddy the ground uh, was becoming. My clothes and hair were completely soaked. I pulled my phone out of my pocket to check the time, but it didn't work. Completely ruined by the water. I managed to make my way back through the pitch black woods and find the trail. And make my way back to my car through the rain and lightning. My car's clock read 1 a.m., and I was stunned, completely unsure of where the last several hours had just gone. Uh, how long had I been standing in the rain? Was I in the dark woods for that entire time from 4 p.m. to 1 a.m.? Uh, I felt sick to my stomach just thinking about it and started my car to drive home in the rain wanting to get as far away as possible, preferably behind a locked door. Uh, Two years later, a friend had dragged me back to Thousand Hills. Uh, I was very hard to convince. I felt extremely uneasy about going back there, and I couldn't say why. It was like I'd forgotten what had happened, but knew something bad had happened to me there. I did uh, did end up letting him convince me, but as we were driving there, my unease kept growing and growing as little bits of memory would pop up of the event, Uh, memories that I guess I had avoided completely somehow for the last two years I'd been away from the park. We were going to have a hike and a picnic, and as we were on the trail, I was all eyes, looking left and right and behind us every three steps, and my heart was beating a mile a minute. My friend was making fun of me, asking, since when are you afraid of the woods and such? I was a nervous wreck, and I really couldn't hide it any longer. I asked him if we could just leave, just go somewhere else instead, and that I had a terrible feeling about a Thousand Hills. He gave in, and when we turned around to head back down the trail the way we came, we walked around a bend in the trail, and there they were three figures facing away from us as if they'd been headed down the trail the entire time but we'd just come that way minutes ago walked down an empty trail around a bend turned around to go back around the bend and there they were I clapped my hand over my friend's mouth locked my eyes on his viciously shook my head no He saw my fear, and he looked a bit scared himself, well, with the three of them just suddenly appearing behind us, going the opposite direction as us. We silently watched them move down the trail in perfect unison uh, for a while. And I feel like they're all the same person, or at least they share a consciousness, because when one reacts, the other two do as well all at the same time there isn't a hesitation they just move as one and it's extremely disturbing I was frozen watching them walk away as all my memories of my last encounters with them flooded back up until then my friend and I had been still and silent and staring but I couldn't help it I turned and ran away as fast as I could I screamed for him to follow me, to run away. I swear he was right, but I turned back, even though every instinct in me told me not to. I ran back, calling for my friend, but there was no trace of him at all, anywhere on the trail. I walked back and forth, the bit of trail he'd disappeared on, for two hours calling for him, and nothing. I was starting to, to worry, you know, it was getting dark. So I went back to the parking area and I realized I didn't have the keys, uh, as we had taken his car. I wasn't going to leave without him anyway, but I really wanted to get inside of something, just to feel safe. I turned back toward the trail and there he was, sprinting out of the trailhead like something was chasing him even though I saw nothing. He was digging in his pockets for the keys and he was in the car yelling for me to get in in a flash. Uh, He asked me what time it was, asked me why it was so dark. I told him it was 9 p.m., and he said, Yeah, that's what my watch says, too. That's bullshit. I told him I'd been looking for him for hours, screaming his name at the top of my lungs, but I couldn't find him. He insisted that he didn't even move from the spot, that I ran off, and the men turned around at the noise, and then he was alone, and it was dark. He accused me of setting him up, of pulling some prank, My tear-stained face from the crying I'd been doing while searching for him changed his mind eventually, but we were never very close again after that day. I had forgotten again the things that happened in Thousand Hills until I heard your podcast, and the people describing the men's odd synchronized movements and the lost time. I don't know how one can forget something so traumatic, but done it twice now apparently and I hope I can manage a third time I love your podcast but telling this story was extremely difficult and I fear that remembering the men may call them back somehow
1: thank you caller My initial thought after hearing this story is that he should probably get back out to that park with a camera. I'd love to see what these guys look like. His frequent sightings do raise a question. Was it the park they were attracted to, or the caller himself? Perhaps there was some sort of connection that brought them both together. I'd also like to point out the missing time involved in this case as well. It seems like most, if not all these cases, involve some sort of lost time something reminiscent of alien abductions so thank you again caller for that detailed account before i move on to the final call of the show i want to mention something strange that happened to me just today you see every wednesday i sit down and write the latest episode of here there be monsters podcast this wednesday was no different I powered up my laptop, opened a blank word document, and typed in the words, Mirrored Men, Season 2, Episode 4. After typing the words, I thought to myself, I should check my email before I put the call list together. So I did. Seconds before that, the following email came through. Hi Derek. I've been interested in the reports you featured lately on the show about people seeing odd figures outside at night, moving in unison. I don't have a personal story to report on this subject, but I've been interested in these topics for a long time, and I recall a few things that might be interesting for your research. I'm sure I've read several Men in Black accounts that the MIB moved in unison, often described by witnesses in a jerky, almost mechanical way. I found this story online where... A witness in 2014 talks a little about this, but I'm sure I've seen it in older accounts. I want to say John Keel's Mothman Prophecy book, but it's been a number of years since I've read that one, so I could be wrong. I also know several famous UFO abduction cases that had witnesses claiming gray-type aliens that moved in this way. Betty and Barney Hill reported movement in unison at several points. So did Betty Andreassen in the late 60s. Whitney Stryber in his book also noted this. It seems to be a fairly regular thing. Now, if it's because they really see things that move together or their stories are influenced by other accounts, I'll leave that up to you. Anyway, I thought this might help a little in your searching. The show is awesome. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Sarah from Massachusetts. You might remember Sarah from Episode 4. She told of an experience she had with a large creature while working a Halloween attraction in the woods. Beyond being extremely coincidental, Sarah's email touches on some interesting points. Both Alien Greys and Men in Black have often been reported to move in a strange manner. Some reports even have them moving in unison. Just like our mirrored men. Perhaps if or when I visit this topic again, I will touch on this more with a few examples. But for the time being, do a little digging yourself. You'd be surprised how often this characteristic is described. As for the story she mentions in her email, you can find that link in the show notes for today's episode. Thank you, Sarah, for the info. Let's move on to the last call of the evening.
4: Uh, Hey, so I heard your uh, most recent episode, uh, number 13, uh, and the two calls you played about a synchronized trio of dark shapes. Uh, I have a similar story. I was deer hunting in Indiana a few years back. I think it was 2011 or 2012. I was up in a deer stand being very quiet, surveying my surroundings and trying to be as stealthy as possible. I had used odorless detergents on my hunting equipment, odorless soaps on myself, as well as masking my scent by cutting open the green husks of black walnuts. Uh, they were very pungent oil. Uh rubbed myself in the area around my tree stands with them. To, doing everything I could uh, to remain unseen, unheard, unsmelled. Uh, when you're hunting in a stand, you're immobile. And, you have to dedicate yourself to remaining unnoticed to give yourself the best chance at taking down game um was around 3 p.m and i hadn't i hadn't spotted any deer but things were promising Uh, the woods were alive with sounds of wildlife active and normal Um, i don't know if you've been hunting but when you are undetected the forest Can get quite lively and loud with animal activity and calls Uh, it's when things grow silent that you know the animals are aware of you i was scanning the area looking hard for any sign of deer which are extremely talented at blending into their surroundings when i caught sight of three shapes stalking slowly through the woods uh, almost like how a predator uh, will slowly move after its prey to not attract attention I was sure they were a hunting party at first Um, they stood upright but they didn't wear any high visibility colors which is almost suicide when you're in the woods and it's deer season. You you should be wearing a blaze orange cap or vest at least to make sure a hunter doesn't mistake you for a buck and take a shot. I was wearing a blaze orange cap myself even though I was 15 feet up in a stand. Deer don't see the color how people do so it's really easy uh, to just add a little bit of safety, um, and there's no drawback to it. Um, I was upset at first when I noticed the people moving through the woods as I'd been sitting up this tree uh, for, you know, hours, and the last thing I needed was some hikers stomping through the brush and scooping all the game. But that's when it hit me how odd it was that all the sounds of wildlife and bird calls hadn't stopped. When I walked to my stand earlier that day, the woods gone deathly silent at my passage, only picking up after I'd been stationary in my tree stand for about 40 minutes. Uh, but for some reason, three people, somehow, were moving through the woods, and the animals took no notice at all, not going quiet or silent like they would for me. No matter how stealthy I moved or how masked my scent was, you know, the woods always go silent. Uh, the three weren't walking toward me more diagonal, and if they continued, their closest point to me would be approaching pretty soon. I couldn't get a great look at the three shapes at first, as they uh, they were obstructed by trees and brush uh, most of the time, but uh, as they reached a bit of clearing, I noticed how perfectly in sync the three people were they walked like they were following some choreography or maybe soldiers marching in cadence but without the rhyming uh, but it was more than that uh, every single motion was mirrored perfectly and in such a weird slow motion like they were moving through jello uh, they were also dressed identically uh in what looked to be some old-fashioned tweed suits i raised my scope To my eye to get a better look at these odd people. And that's when things went from weird to downright terrifying. The moment I had the gun raised toward these people, everything in the woods went completely silent. I didn't make a sound. And my movement of raising the scope to my eye was subtle. Um, And yet somehow the action of pointing my weapon at these three things had made the entire area go quiet as if someone had just screamed at the top of their lungs. What I saw when looking through the scope was that all three of them had stopped forward movement and were slowly turning their heads directly toward me with that eerie mirrored motion like there was one mind controlling all three of them. Uh, At that moment I wished that I had not worn that blaze orange cap um, because I was certain that it was going to be the thing to give me away. Uh, My heart was racing, but I continued to watch through the scope as the three turned toward me. What I saw was three men who who looked wrong somehow. I think the shape of their eyes was somehow off, and the spacing between their nose and mouth was just slightly odd. And also, their mouths their mouths were too long, looking at the mo- ma- at the mouths, reminded me of a bullfrog um, either they were all brothers or triplets um and they you know they looked they looked identical as far as I could tell. The last thing I remember of them was them locking eyes on my tree stand, and then the sun was gone. It was dark, and I was no longer in my tree stand and I wasn't hurt, and yet my tree stand was. Still 15 feet up it was a climbing tree stand which means you need to use it to get up and get down Um, if you search online for a climbing tree stand there there are videos that show how they function and you'll see uh, (laughs) getting down while leaving it up would have been pretty painful Uh, my gun was stuck in the ground butt up and standing at a tension barrel sunk into the ground as if I dropped it from the stand just right or drove it in intentionally. I checked my phone for the time, and it was 11.17 p.m. Somehow, somehow I had lost eight whole hours. Uh, I, was, I was extremely souped, uh, to say the least, and I didn't want to try climbing the tree to get my stand back, especially in the dark and after losing all that time. Um, I didn't have any pain at all, not even a headache, and I'm certain if I'd fallen 15 feet from my stand to the ground, Mm -hmm. that I'd have at least a scrape or a bruise to show for it, but I didn't. So I I grabbed my gun up, its barrel was plugged with mud, uh, and I ran back to my truck, sprinting through the woods and not really caring how much noise I made. I took a friend out there the next day with me to help retrieve my stand. He laughed at me the whole time, jokingly asking me how I'd forgotten a stand that I needed to get down from the tree. I didn't tell him the story, as it sounded insane to me at the time, and still does. I probably would have taken this weird story to my grave without repeating it, but after hearing the other people uh, that have seen the three synced things Uh, I had to contribute my encounter with the triplets. I often wonder if what happened to me happened because I pointed a weapon at them and they took it as a threat, or if it was simply because I looked too closely at them.
1: Thank you so much, caller. Okay, let's break this down. Most callers describe the same characteristics. Three men, strange dress, a weird gait, an odd or off look, missing time, a frog-like or thin mouth, and dark, piercing eyes. Many of these attributes describe the classic men in black, but why would these beings be in rural areas? What connection to the witness is there? None of them have mentioned a UFO sighting in conjunction. So, circling back to the news story at the top of the show, if these encounters are not simple pranks, then what are we dealing with here? Are they dangerous? Are they human? I'll do what I can to continue to unearth any information that might be out there, but in the meantime, if you've witnessed these men, please consider sharing your story with the show. Now, before we wrap up, I want to put out one disclaimer. Each of the calls you heard tonight were originally submitted via email or the anonymous submission form. A talented voice actor by the name of Warren Pon Abbott acted out each story to make the tone of the show a little more interesting. Fear not, however, each story was read exactly as the submitter wrote it. If you'd like to check out Warren's other work, click on his YouTube pages over in the show notes. Thank you so much, Warren, for all your help. And that does it for this episode of Here There Be Monsters Podcast. But before I go, I want to mention a few things. If you've had an encounter and would like to share your story, call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Remember, there is a five-minute limit per call, so if you need more time, simply call back and pick up where you left off. And don't forget, every 13th caller gets a free Hear There Be Monsters podcast t-shirt. Visit the website for a completely anonymous submission field, the show notes, the email address, and to buy one of our awesome t-shirts. That address is www.heartherbemonsterspodcast.com. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm still getting the hang of this whole Twitter thing. Lastly, rate and review the show on iTunes if you have a moment. Your review goes a long way to expand the show's reach. Finally, music for tonight's show was presented by Mayu and Nature 1986. Alright folks, that's it for this evening. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.